Welcome back to uh, Jakarta Central Church and welcome to the Power Hour. We have been going through a series for the last three weeks called Pandemic. How to respond to a crisis. And we started developing the concept that God often will disrupt our lives in order to teach us that there are more important things than living life. Then we say that life has struggles and different stages of struggle. But the good thing is that God guides us through every season or every stage of struggle. Then last week, we developed the idea that summer is coming. And I'm glad that summer is coming because it shows that things are going to change. Today, I want to continue the same thought. And I want to preach again from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. And by the way, last uh, next week's sermon is going to finish off the chapter. So we've just been going through the whole chapter to get a sense of how do we make sense of a crisis. Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 to 44. The word of God says, but of that day and hour, no one knows. No one is in the loop. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. My father only is in the loop. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know they were not in the loop until the flood came and took them all away. So also when Jesus comes, when summer comes, people will be out of the loop. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other one left. One will be in the loop, and the other one will be out of the loop. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. One will be in the loop, the other one will be out of the loop. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You are not in the loop when your Lord is coming. But know this, at least you're in the loop about this. That if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not escape. Expect. Expect. I want to preach to you under the theme, In the Loop. In the loop. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray. Thanking you that you are with me right now. You don't need to intervene in my speech. You don't need to intervene in my mind. You are with me right now. And I'm so glad. I'm just praying, Father, that people would see that you're with me. And that I want them to know that you're with them. And that in this sermonic expression... You would let somebody know that you love them. It is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 2020 has had a lot of catastrophes, calamities, and, and tragedies. And many have 
pontificated and pondered and postulated ideas that we need to rewind 2020. We need to rewind 2020 to 2019, uh, 2009, and to 1999. And I sneaker at these ideas because I ask myself, if we are to rewind the year to 2019, uh, to 2009, and to 1999, would it be better than 2020? The truth is, for some, uh, 2020 is a good year. The truth is, for some, 2019 and 2009 and 1999 were terrible years. But I say that when life is hard in a particular year, it doesn't always mean that everyone is facing a difficult moment. Work with me for a moment. In 2020, a lot of businesses are suffering right now. Uh, they have to think about retrenchment. They have to think about uh, trimming. They have to think about letting go of some people. But there are some companies like sanitizer-making companies that are feeling real good. Business is good. Uh, they are toilet paper-making companies, which life is good. Those who make masks, life is good. In fact, as I've been going around the city, as much as I can go around the city in my own little neighborhood, I'm seeing people selling homemade masks. So just because your year is bad, it doesn't mean that somebody else is having a bad year. But the truth of the matter is, if I'm to be honest, just to, you know, for a sense of full disclosure, I would want to know how the new year or an upcoming year would be like. I'm proposing that every December 31st should be uh, an international memo day for the new year. You see, I wished that I got the memo that there'll be a volcano in the Philippines, in Tagaytay, where I went to school. I couldn't believe it when I saw that this place that I often went to and I, I would stop by sometimes as I'm passing from AUP and to IS, I would look and there's a beautiful Ta'au volcano. I couldn't believe my eyes that it had erupted. I wished I got the memo that my favorite basketball player would exit this world at the age of 41. I wished I got the memo that COVID-19 would freeze corporate worship and that I will be preaching to you live. But the truth of the matter is my wishes remain unmet. My wishes are still simply wishes. And that's just how life is. Life is not pre-recorded like a sports event. Life is not a movie. Life happens live. Life happens as it unfolds. You see, a movie has directors who redirect scenes. A movie has producers who create a good picture quality by editing and re-editing and reworking the picture. A movie has actors who re-rehearse their lines and, and make sure that they get it right. But life is not like that, though life feels like a movie sometimes. You get what I'm saying? But life is not like that. Life evolves as life moves on. Life evolves as events happen. I'm trying to drive a point to you, my brother and my sister, that life will never let us know that this is coming up. Life will not let us know that your next accident is coming. Life is not going to let you know that your next accident 
accident is coming. Life is not going to let you know that your next sickness is coming. Life is not going to let you know that your next unemployment is coming. Life is not going to let you know that your your next heartbreak is coming. And somebody understands what I'm talking about. That the particulars of life it just seem to happen. They just seem to evolve in front of us. And, and sometimes life is just like that. And I'm, I'm beginning to understand that we will never know the particulars of life. Life evolves as it happens. And, and Jesus backs me up this morning in verse number six, uh, 36 when he says, But of that day, no one knows. Not even, my, not even the angels in heaven. But my father only. You see, Jesus wants us to understand something this morning. That we will never know the particulars of life. We will never know when the details of life. And allow me to draw your attention to the word knows. You see, the word knows in the Greek is how we get our, our word for idea. Now, when you have an idea, it means that you can see something that others don't see. Or you can see something that others do see. And we are like hound dogs for ideas. Uh, we brainstorm in conversations. We brain dump in, on paper. We, we, we brain exchange in, 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 in ideas and, and we get into groups. We, we, we brain freeze to marinate on that idea. But here in the text, Jesus stops our brain hunting in dead in his tracks he says you do not know you may know or you may have an idea when summer is going to happen but you don't know the exact moment that summer is going to come you see jesus wants you to understand and he wants me to understand we don't sit at the table we don't sit at the table of the committee of the three father son and holy ghost you and i we stand in the front yard, in the committee of the three. They get to decide the details of life. They get to decide when things are going to change. They get to decide when events are going to happen. You and I simply receive the decisions that are made. We don't get to decide. We don't get to make plans. God is the one who is in charge of the situation. You have heard it, the statement need to know basis you see need to know basis is the idea that certain information is going to be communicated to certain people at the time that they need to know it they don't need the information prior or after they need the information at the time when it is going to happen my brother and my sister you and i are on a need to know basis Amen. you and i are on a need to know <laughs> God is going to let you know what you need to know. Oh, I wish somebody could say amen right there. I wish I could be looped in. And I know you want to be looped in. But God is not going to loop you in because you are on a need to know basis. You will know when you need to know. Because you see, if you know information at an improper time, you're not going to use the information as you need to use it. Watch this. You see, God's operational tactic is that he will utilize the moment to let you know when you need to know. God operates on a day-to-day -day basis. God operates on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. 
God doesn't project the next five years. God doesn't project the next 50 years in your life. God is going to, uh, to reveal it when it is going to happen. You see, my brother and my sister, I wish that there would be visions that I would see. I wish to be like Daniel to get visions of, or, or in the night. I wish to be able to see uh, that this and this is going to happen in my life. But the truth of the matter is we don't get to see that. You see, God doesn't make uh, big splashes and he doesn't sound alarms. God speaks in this small, still voice. You see, God speaks via texts. Uh, God speaks via sermons. Uh, God speaks uh, via songs. God speaks via somebody telling you a word of encouragement. And that's how God works. And that's how God operates. And you need to get comfortable with a need-to-know basis with God. And that is why sometimes you and I are frustrated because we want to know the, the particulars. We, we want to know the details. But God doesn't work like that. God works with us at the moment because you know the danger with us? The danger is that we have a tendency to run ahead of God. We have the tendency to take control and try to run things. But God says, hold up. Wait a minute. Let's slow down. And I'm going to teach you what we need to do. You see, communication, I have learned, that is best built slowly, steadily, consist consistently, and constantly. Now, now, you see, many of us have a crisis relationship with God. Listen to what I'm saying. You see, we tuck our tails when we have been fired and we run to God. We tuck our tails when we have had, had that heartbreak and we run to God. We talk our tails when we are having that pain and we run to God. God becomes like a crisis button that we push. God, I'm here. Knock, knock. I'm here. We need to talk about it. I'm messed up. It's not working. And we come to God that way. But my brother, my sister, allow me to put it to you like this. If you learn to walk with God in the light, you can walk with him in the darkness. We need to learn to walk with God in the light so that we can walk with him in the darkness. You need to learn to walk with God when it is hard right now. When, it is, when things are good. Especially when things are good. When you have that big check. When you have that big bonus. You need to learn to walk with God. When she's telling you I love you. You need to learn to walk with God at that moment. When your business is on high and things are fly, you need to learn to walk with God at that moment. I wish you could say amen. I wish I was in church right now, Pacific Place, because I would get an amen for this. You see, when, <laughs> when things are good, learn to walk with God. Because if you can walk with God when things are good, then you'll be good when things are not good. <laughs> we need to learn that God is not a crisis manager in our life. Praise his name that he manages our crises and he steps in when things are not good. But wouldn't it be better that every day you know God? Wouldn't it be better that every moment you're walking with God? That you don't just come to God when you need something from God? Wouldn't it be better? How do you feel when somebody only comes to you when they need your help? When they need you to give them money or when they need you to help them with an assignment or when they need you to teach them something. You don't feel good because you feel used and abused. Could it be that my brother, my sister, you and I, we are using and abusing God. So let, let, let me put it to you like this, my brother, my sister. You don't need to know the particulars of your life. 
you need to particularly walk with God every day of your life. Right now in COVID-19, as we're going through a difficult moment, it is time to get to know God. Right? Because I've been encouraged by listening to people who tell me, look, right now things are bad at the office. Things are not good, but I'm not worried. Somehow God has me under control. And you know why they they feel that way? They're not worried because they have been having that relationship with God. A person who hasn't had that relationship with God right now, they are panting and they're breathing hard because things are not not working out. Things things are not good and you are worried what's going to happen. But a person who has had God in their life, walking with him every moment... It's good. You see, my brother and my sister, let me put it to you like this. We make a mistake to think that God is not with us. You know, I'm tired of prayers that come. Pastor, please pray that God will step in into my life. Who told you he left? Pastor, pray that God would help my, my family. Pastor, who told you that God hasn't been helping your family? Uh, Pastor, please pray that God would, would, would make me healthy. Who told you that God has not been making you healthy? God never leaves. But because we forget him, because we get caught up in things in our life, then it does feel like God is not there. But my brother, my sister, learn to walk with God in the light so that you can walk with God in the darkness. You see, I'll be honest. You see, when teachers have let me know when the exam is going to be, you know what I do? I study the night before the exam. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Because the teacher has told me that the exam is on Friday, I'm going to study on Thursday to be prepared for the exam on Friday. And you see, many of us, if we knew that God is going to bring the next big break on, on June 5, 2020, many of you would be like, oh, God has it under control. And maybe you might not pray as much as you should because, hey, God has it under control. So God has to teach us that, my friend, you and I need to walk together. You and I are not going to know the particulars. Let me be in control of that. I'm in the driver's seat. You're in the passenger seat. But if you believe me and trust me enough, we're going to get there and things are going to be okay and we're going to make it. But here's, my, here's a beautiful thing, my brother and my sister. We may not know the particulars. We may not know how it's going to happen or ship out, but we can still prepare. We may not know the details, but we can still be detailed enough in the preparation that we make. You see, I know that sometimes, and I think you can relate to what I'm saying, that, you know, you have had an, an experience that, you know, somebody else has it under control, right? Perhaps at your, at your office, somebody's going to lead out in the meeting or they're going to prepare the report. And so you'll be like, hey, listen, hey, they got it. I'm going to relax. I'm going to chill. So I'm not going to prepare, right? I'm going to relax. And, and, and here's what I'm trying to say that, because we, 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 we know that God knows the details of our lives. He knows the particulars of our lives. The danger is to chill and relax. Oh, God has it under control. No. Yes, God has it under control. He knows the particulars of our life, but we need to be able to prepare. And this is what Jesus is drawing out in verses number 37 to 41. Allow me to break it down to you for a moment. You see, in verses number 37 to 41, Jesus talks about uh, the time of Noah. In the time of Noah... This man is given a message to tell people a flood is coming. He preaches for 120 years, a flood is coming, a flood is coming. Now, it wasn't anything like we have experienced, because here in Indonesia, we have floods. We call it Banjir. If I'm correct, we call it Banjir. We have floods, and, 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 and you know how the, the rivers will flood and swell, and we had a flood in 2020, early, earlier this year. 
But I'm not talking about that kind of flood. Noah was talking about a flood that was going to envelop the whole world. Now, here's what the people did. Noah is preaching that a flood is coming. The people got busy with life. Instead of being busy with the business of preparation, they got busy with the business of living life. And so when the flood came, the Bible says they were not ready for the flood to come. And the second example Jesus used is the example of two groups. He says two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. He says two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. And he's driving the point that look, in the future... People are going to live life normally. People are going to be busy with life. But when I come, when summer comes, I'm going to differentiate between those who are mine and those who are not mine. And let me just pause. This is not teaching about the secret rapture because those who are taken, according to the text, are taken by the angels. And those who are left are taken by the flood of disaster. So we're not talking about... Uh, the, the sick rapture right here. But Jesus, listen to what I'm saying. Jesus uses the past and the future to help us to understand how we can prepare. To help us to understand how we can prepare for the summer of his coming. So the first thing that I want you to understand, the first idea that I want to draw on is that the busyness of life tends to drive the business of life. Check this. The people in Noah's day, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they went out to restaurants, they barbecued, they wedded, they worked, they, served, they saved. In other words, they were living life like we live life. And the thing about life is that life has to be lived. And you know what has amazed me and what I like about COVID-19 is that even though people are being told to stay at home and they're being told to stay away from each other, but the business of life is still going on. You are still working at home. You are still ordering from home. <laughs> you are still eating your favorite food because life has to go on. Life has to continue. But here is a problem of people in Noah's day. They lived as if God had retired. They lived as if God wasn't in the picture. They were so busy with life that they forgot to live life. They were so busy with life that they forgot the business of life. Allow me to just play with words for a moment. You see, here Moses allows us to see the picture clearly in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5. He says, and it repented the Lord. It made him sad. It grieved him that he had made man. Can you imagine? God was sad. For the day that he created human beings. Because in their eating and in their drinking and in their living of life. They got so busy that they pushed him out of their life. They put him out of business. And God is saying, just wants us to learn that if we are to be ready. If we are to be prepared to do our part. We can't, so be, we can't be so caught up in the busyness of life. That we forget the business of life. The second idea that Jesus brings across is that the past defines the present. The past defines the present. Now the people in Noah's day didn't have a chance to hear about a flood. They didn't have a chance to hear that God is going to destroy all creation, but we do. We, we look back on their life and we say, like, okay, we get it, Lord, that things are going to happen, things are going to change. We get that. 
And so we had to use the past to help us to, to prepare for our present. Okay, you're not getting it, so let me help somebody get it. You see, the past, I mean, the, employ, the, the student you were in, in school defines the employer you're going to be right now. The pastor, the student pastor you were defines the pastor you are now. And I'm talking about myself. The pastor you see talking to you right now, the pastor you see preaching to you right now is a pastor that I was in school. The, the husband you are now is because of the, the man you were before you got married. The wife you are now is because of the woman you were before you got married. The athlete you are now is because of the athlete you were before you started being a professional athlete. Allow me to tell you, my brother and my sister, we don't magically change when we get a new status and a new position. It doesn't change us. Rather, the new status and position reveal who we are. And so Jesus is saying, the past, the way they were in the past, is going to happen as it was in the days of Noah. So it is going to be in the days when I'm going to come. And so my brother and my sister, utilize the past to be able to know what the present is going to be like. You see, my brother and my sister, we neglect the past to the detriment of our present. The third idea Jesus teaches is that the present defines the future. And that is why Jesus is saying, two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding a meal. One will be taken and the other left. My brother and my sister, oh, I'm getting sweaty. I want you to understand something. You see, Jesus Christ is talking about two groups of people. Oh, let me preach now. Let me, let me talk to you for a moment. Here are two men. One is taken. Uh, this is taken for y'all. One is taken and the other one is left. They were in the field. They were farming together. They were friends. They lived in the same neighborhood. They had the same skills. They had the same profession. But one is taken and the other one is left. Two women are grinding at the mill because their husbands have worked so hard in the field and they're grinding at mill and they're talking stories. Oh, this, this meal is going to make a, a nice roti. This meal is going to make a nice nasi goreng. They are talking, but one of them is taken and the other one is left. Luke would say, Two men will be in the same bed. One will be taken, uh, taken and the other one will be left. In other words, husband and wife will be together in the same bed. Brother and sister. Sister and brother. Cousin and cousin. Relative and relative. But one will be taken and the other one will be left. Why? Because they made choices that defined their future. Jesus is saying, the reason that one is taken and the other one is left is because they made certain decisions and certain choices. My brother and my sister, your future depends on the decision that you are making now. Decisions to study will determine how uh, the future of your, your test. The decision to exercise will determine the future of your health. The decision to work hard and put in the effort will determine the future of your success. We cannot neglect the present because neglecting the present affects our future. And so Jesus says if you are to be prepared 
Don't allow the busyness of life to overshadow the business of life. If you are to be prepared, you need to make sure that the past defines the present. If you are to be prepared, you need to make sure that the present defines your future. And so, so we know. We know. We don't know the particulars, but we know we can prepare. And so here, I want to drive th this idea home to you that because we know that we don't know, <laughs> because we know we don't know the particulars, but we know how to prepare, then let's, let's prepare. Let's get ready for the summer of the coming of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we are ready to meet our Lord. And that is why Jesus helps us to understand in verses number 42 and verses number 43. And allow me just to read the text uh, with you for a moment. Jesus says in verse number 42. Because you know all of these things. Then watch therefore for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. He says watch. The word watch is where we get the word Gregory. Jesse is saying. You need to be spiritual Gregs. Now the name Greg means to be alert and ready. And Jesus is saying you need to be alert and ready because you are not in the loop when I'm going to come. You don't know when it's going to happen. So you need to be alert and you need to be ready because you don't have an idea. You can't see when I'm going to come. Now you see Jesus... Uh, to help us to understand what it means to be a spiritual Greg, uh, Jesus utilized uh, military language. In the Roman uh, times, in, in those times, they had four watches of the night. And allow me to tell you these four watches in the night. The Romans would say in the first watch of the night, they called it uh, Vigilia Prima. The second one was called Vigilia Secunda. The second one, the third one was called Vigilia Tertia. The fourth one was called Vigilia Quarta. And Jesus is saying, you do not know at what particular moment that the thief is going to come. He can come at the beginning. He can come at the second watch. He can come at the third watch. He can come at the fourth watch. Because you don't know when the thief is going to come. Your eyes, your spiritual eyes need to be alert. You need to be a spiritual Greg. And this is the point. And to drive the point further, he says, look, you don't know because the thief can come at any moment. And he utilizes the idea of a thief to help us to understand that he is not a thief. Hallelujah. Because he comes to give us the abundant life. The thief is the devil himself. But he says, my coming is going to come like a thief. Because the thieves know how to use the element of surprise. They know how to surprise you because if they can't surprise you, then they're going to be surprised themselves. You understand what I'm saying? If a thief comes to your house and they see that the police are there, the thief ain't going to steal. The thief is going to turn away. So he's saying you have to be sure and careful that, look, you are alert. Because in verse number 44, he says, therefore, you also be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. To be a spiritual Greg, hear what I'm saying. To be a spiritual Greg requires constant alertness and consistent preparation. Whew. 
See, that's why I wish I was at Pacific Place because I would get an amens right now because, man, that was, uh, that was a deep moment. So let me say it one more time. To be a spiritual Greg requires constant alertness and consistent preparation. You see, when I was a kid, I used to visit my grandmother at her home. And usually I visited her with my cousins during school breaks. We would go there because we didn't want to spend time at home with mommy and daddy because spending time at home with mommy and daddy meant that you still had to wake up on time, you had to make your bed, and you had to do all this kind of stuff. But when you're with grandmother, she was a little bit nicer and easier on us. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Parents are a little bit harder. You may not know. That's cool. Parents are a little bit harder. But grandparents seem to be a little bit easier. My grandmother was like that because she loved all her grandkids. And we were many of us. I'm thinking, I think we are like over 30 in the house, like little rats running everywhere. And she's happy about this because, you know, her legacy is set. Now, while at my grandmother's house, my grandmother would get a notice that my dad is going to be passing by going, to, uh, going on a trip. And that if I wanted to go to see him off at the trip, at the airport, I should be ready and prepared. Now, check this. My, my parents and where we lived was four hours away from the airport. My grandmother lived two hours away from the airport. And the main road, road passed by my grandmother's house. So it was very convenient for my father to stop by to pick me up and go with him to the airport. Now me, good old me, lovely me, instead of getting prepared and taking a shower and getting dressed to go on the trip that I know is coming, <laughs> I would go and play. And then I would get, hear a notice on the call, Henry, your daddy has come. He wants to take you to the airport. And I would come and, and I'm not ready. I'm all dusty and dirty. And I'm like, I'm, uh, can I please shower real quick? And my dad says to me, the most awful words that you can hear, he says to me, son, you are not prepared and ready, therefore I can't take you. You are not ready to go with me. You are not ready and dressed up and showered, so I have to let you go. Now, here's the funny thing. I missed many trips with my dad when I was at grandmother's house because my, my dad often traveled out. But I missed many of those trips because I was never ready and prepared. And a lot of times I'm seeing the, the car drive off and I'm, I'm weeping, I'm crying. But here's the funny thing. When I was at home and my dad needed to take a trip, I always made the trip. Because my mother, my good old mother, made sure that I got ready and prepared. She would make sure of it. But you see, there's one thing that I knew about my dad. If my dad has said, I'm going to take you on the trip, he's going to take me on the trip if I get ready. And the reason why he would leave me at, when, he, when he didn't find me ready at my grandmother's house, he was trying to teach me a lesson. Your relationship with me should not be determined by your distance from me. It should be determined by your, my words to you. My relationship with you is not determined on distance. It's determined on my word. And if you take my word and you are ready at my word, though I'm not there, then I will take you with me. My brother and my sister, hear me carefully. We have the word of Jesus. 
He has told us summer is coming. I'm coming for you. And because he has told us that summer is coming, you and I should be ready. You and I should be prepared. We need to be constantly alert and we need to be consistently prepared. We need to know that he's going to come and he's not going to leave us alone. His word is good enough. Amen. Amen. You see, allow me to drive this sermon home. Uh, because, you see, if we are to be prepared and we are to be spiritual Gregs, we need to learn that the business of life drives the busyness of life. Ooh, let me tell you, my brother and my sister, the, the business of life determines the busyness of life. Uh, you see, we need to understand and we need to know that God is not retired. He's not going to retire and he's not tired of us. He is with us every moment of the day. And we need to understand that life is God. The last time that I checked that God is still, Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. God is still on the throne. And so my brother and my sister, right now you need to ask yourself important and serious questions. Is Jesus a driver in my life or am I driving my life? Am I working for him? Or am I working for myself? Is my service to God for me or for him? The things that I do, are they for him or for me? Is my marriage for him or for me? Is my relationship for him or for me? Is my dating for him or for me? Am I preaching for him or for me? Am I getting paid for me or for him? Because if Jesus is the business of life, then he's going to be the center of life. And somebody is asking me right now, Pastor, how do I make Jesus the business of my life so that I'm able to direct the business of my life? Let me put it to you like this, my brother and my sister. We have a problem, a serious problem. We like to put the big stuff off first and put the little things first. We, we, we like to put off the, the big stuff and put the little things first. Let me tell you what I mean by that. You know that you wake up in the morning. And you're supposed to study. But what do many of us do? We go on our mobile phones and we start to scroll. We like to see who's texted us, who has liked our status. And before you know, five minutes of just checking your status update has turned into one hour and two hours. And you haven't done your activities. Somebody knows what I'm talking about right here. My brother and my sister, Jesus is the business of life. And no matter how busy you get... He is still the business of your life. Make sure that when you wake up in the morning, he is the one you're thinking about. Make sure that when you wake up in the morning, he is the one that you want to run to. Make sure that when you're living your life, whatever you're doing, that he is the center of it all. Because if you make him the business of life, then you're not going to be swept away with the busyness of life. And Lord knows I'm talking to somebody here who has been swept away by the busyness of life. You're working so hard that you don't have time for those who you love in your life. Some of us know what I'm saying. You're working so hard making money and putting effort to, 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 to provide for your family. But your family doesn't see you. Your family doesn't get time with you. And they complain and they tell you, you never have time for us. You're always busy. And you respond, don't you know that I'm working for you? But then they say, yeah, I know you're working for me. But I'm not getting time with you. So you're working for me doesn't benefit me. Because you see when you neglect the business of life. You are missing the whole point of life. And so if we are to.
prepare and to be ready and to be these spiritual gregs. My brother and my sister, we need to learn to allow the business of life, Jesus Christ, to drive the business of life. The second thing we need to do if we are to be spiritual gregs is that we need to utilize the, the, the past for our present. We need to allow the, the past to aid us in our present moment right now. Somebody has told me, Pastor, how do I get to know God? Pastor, how do I get to understand who he is? Pastor, don't you think that we need prophets right now? And this is what I respond. My brother, my sister, we do have everything that we need to know about God in the word of God. Everything that he has told us is already there. What you and me simply need to do is to read what has already been written so that we can understand better about him. You can't neglect what has been written because if you neglect what has been written, you're going to make the same mistakes that the people in the past made. Jesus said it very, very clearly. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when I will come. You need to learn to study their story so that you can shape your story. You need to learn how to read their history so that you don't repeat the same old stories. We don't have to be like Noah's generation. We don't have to be like David who killed another man's, uh, another woman's husband. We don't have to be like Abraham who doubted God. We don't have to be like the, the, the disciples who kept wondering, Lord, are you going to save us in a storm? We can learn from these past experiences with God because the God of yesterday is the same today. Hallelujah. The Jesus of yesterday is going to be the same Jesus of the future. And so my brother and my sister at this moment in your life learn to utilize what has been written in the past so that you can know God a little bit better and understand him better so that your story is not the same old story that your history is not the same old history that your history is a new story yes we can learn from the past to help us in our present. You see what I love about Jesus using the past. Is that we are not locked in. Your destiny is not set. You don't have to be. Like how your mother was. You don't have to be like how your father was. You don't have to be like how your teacher was. You don't have to be like how your pastor was. You can learn from him. And develop something different. And be a better person. So your story can be a different story. And the last thing that I want to drive forward to you is that we must learn that the present forecasts our future. The decisions you're making now are going to determine whether you're going to meet God when he comes. The decisions that you're making now are imprinting your future. The decisions that you're making right now are going to show you what it is going to be like. Right now, my brother and my sister, I want to encourage you that you and I need to build our relationship with God right now. Jesus Christ, we need to build that relationship with him right now. We need to know him right now. We need to encounter him on a daily basis. We need to live for him. We need to be motivated by him because the truth is what we do now is going to benefit us in the future. You don't have to make the same mistakes. You don't have to replay the same old tracks. You don't have to walk in the same steps. Your life and your situation is beautiful. And here it is. I love the fact that separation between the two groups is made at the end. Many of us right now, we focus on what so-and-so is doing. We focus on how bad they are. But just wants us to understand, we need to focus on ourselves. 
the, right now it's time for you to focus on you. Focus on your prayer life, not their prayer life. How are you praying? Focus on your study life, not his study life. Focus on the things that you should focus on, things that you can control. Focus on your anxiety, not his anxiety or her anxiety. Focus on the fact that I'm not in the right relationship with God right now. Because if you can focus on that, put your eyes on yourself, then you don't have time to look at somebody else. Too many of us, my brother and my sister, we are looking at somebody else. And because we're looking at somebody else, we don't have time to prepare ourselves. Because we have time to prepare ourselves, we, we shape our, our future in the wrong way. But my brother and my sister, if the business of life is Jesus, well, then we're going to direct the business of life. If we can learn from the past, then the present is going to be all right. If we can learn from the present, then the future is going to be all right. An experience brings this sermonic expression to an end really nicely. You see, I have learned to, to live on MREs. MREs are meals ready to eat. Because somehow in my life, hunger comes unexpectedly. There are times when I'm, I'm busy studying, doing something, and there I just get hungry. And then if I'm not prepared with an MRE meal ready to eat, I end up eating anything. I can eat bread. I can eat kachang, uh, uh, peanuts. I can eat just anything. And I'm full, yes. But I'm not really, I haven't really put nutritious food in my stomach. So I've been teaching myself that, no, I need to be prepared before I get hungry. So what I do the night before, I put my oats, my overnight oats in the fridge. I pressure cook my beans. I put them aside. I steam that rice so that when hunger comes unexpectedly, I am ready because hunger has taught me. It has put me in the loop. <laughs> it, has, it has given me information that I may not come at the time you expect me to come, but you know that I'm coming. And therefore, because you know that I'm coming, you need to be ready for my coming. My brother and my sister, we do not know the particulars of the coming of Jesus. We don't know the particulars of the plans, uh, the plans of God in our lives, but we can be prepared. We can be prepared when we make sure that the business of life is the business of life that is Jesus. We can be prepared when we learn from the past to define our present. We can be prepared if the present is utilized to define our future. And if you can, if you can think this way, my brother and my sister, you're never going to be surprised. You're always going to be ready and you're going to be prepared. And my brother might say, Jesus is saying, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. I'm looking for you. The question is, are you ready? Would you like to join me and say, you know what? I want to be prepared. I want to be ready. I'm in the loop now. I know what God expects of me. I want to be ready. Would you like to join me this morning? Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you for teaching us your truth. We are in the loop, yes. But at the same time, also out of the loop. We're in the loop because you have taught us how we can be ready and prepared. We're out of the loop because we don't know when it's going to happen. And my prayer is that you would help us to always be prepared and to be, to be in the loop. There's a brother and sister here who is too busy, has no time for you. I pray, Lord, that today may be the day they make time. There's a brother and a sister here who hasn't learned from the past, still repeating the same old mistakes. They need to change that and, and learn from the past. There's a brother and a sister here who 
<clears throat> is not preparing for their future. They're not taking the right steps. They're not making the right decisions right now. I pray, Lord, that you'd help them. And above all, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be these spiritual Gregs, always ready and prepared, Heavenly Father. We thank you, Father, for your love and your care. And we thank you for speaking to us this morning. In the wonderful and awesome name of Jesus Christ, I've prayed. Amen.